Welcome and thank you for joining the Confessions of a Military Spouse podcast. We are your hosts, Jennifer and Candace Gomez. Jenna is a military spouse of 10 years, a mom, a registered and certified dental assistant, and a certified phlebotomist. Candace is an active duty military member of 17 years, a military spouse of 13 years, a mom, and a student. Again, we just want to say thank you for being here with us today. As always, we highly encourage you to share our podcast. Also, we definitely appreciate any and all feedback. So if you would like to leave us some feedback, please feel free to email us at confessionsofamillspouse at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook or Instagram at Confessions of a Mill Spouse. Um, so (laughs) I know that today is technically June 1st, but Candace and I wanted to wrap up our mental health May with this final episode. Um, so even though it's not May, we're going to continue with this. Um, and then our next episode, we have something really great in store for you guys. So with that being said, here we go. So um, we wanted to kind of wrap up Mental Health May with um, the discussion about um, just how everybody grieves differently and kind of our experiences um, with our mental health struggles um, and our husbands and how they have kind of dealt with it and, you know, what we've learned from it. I know we briefly touched in it um, in a few episodes, but I... I think it would be good to kind of elaborate a little bit more. Um, so with that being said, um, I don't think I shared in my episode, but my husband and I, um, went through two miscarriages. Um, I guess you could call them miscarriages. So I actually had what's called a molar pregnancy, which is ironic because I work in the dental field, but, um, I was like, really? Like of all the things, um, and if you don't know what it is, (laughs) go Google it. Um, but anyway, um, basically I had all the symptoms, all the signs, everything that I was pregnant, but it wasn't actually forming a fetus. And what was happening is that the tissue just kept, um, multiplying and what I found out later on is that eventually if you let it go too long, it can turn into cancer. Um, so my very first one that I had, I will never forget because the doctor looked at me and she was like, um, it's not a viable pregnancy. I think I know what this is, but I need to check with my colleague first. And I was like, uh, okay. Um, and this is a Friday. So imagine going into a weekend like this And she called me Monday morning and she was like, um, so I spoke with my colleague. It's exactly what I thought it was. She said, it's something called a molar pregnancy. And she's like, we need to get you in right away. Um, we're going to have to do a DNC. And I said, okay. And when she met right away, I think it was like the next day or the day after that she got me in. Um, and then she further went on to explain why I needed to get in so quickly. Yeah. Um, so after that, my husband and I were not able to even try to have a baby for a year because the chances of another molar pregnancy happening after that point are really high. Um, so I, of course, was devastated about that. But at the same time, I was like, okay, but it's not taking our chances away from having a kid. You know, I still had that hope and I still had that, um, you know, just 
that outlook that everything was going to be okay. And as naive as I was, I went to this first appointment with this OBGYN after I took the home test by myself, because I walked in there thinking, oh, they're going to think everything's fine. Dustin was on recruiting duty at this point. He really couldn't get off anyway, but I didn't think that I needed anybody to go with me. Um, so I ended up going by myself and I was obviously devastated. Um, I definitely didn't want to have to have a surgery. Um, but what I didn't realize at the time was how much it had affected Dustin. Um, we definitely had very, very different outlooks on it. Um, you know, he was tore up about it. He was sad and hurt and, you know, didn't understand. I mean, obviously I didn't understand either, but didn't understand and almost gloomy, I guess, looking back at it now, you know, I had this hopeful outlook of like, everything's going to be fine. Like we're going to have a, you know, we can try in a year, like we're going to have a baby. It's fine. And he had this whole, like, we have to wait an entire year. Like you're going in for a surgery. They're taking something from you. Um, we should have had a baby type of an outlook. And it was something that we did not talk about. Um, I went in, I had the surgery and we just didn't talk about it. We went about our, our lives, like everything was fine. Um, and it wasn't until, so that happened. And then I had Ella and then a couple years after I had Ella, I ended up having another molar pregnancy and it wasn't until that second molar pregnancy happened that we began to talk about things because after that second one, I was devastated. Um, I was so sad and so upset. And at that point though, I, I think my sadness and my hurt and my upset came from the fact that I knew I shouldn't try to have any more kids because it wasn't healthy for me. Um, but at that point, you know, he was going about his life, like everything was fine and he didn't seem upset about it at all. And B as a female, I'm like, how dare you not be upset about it? And I think it was in that moment that we realized like, holy crap, we grieve so differently. And, you know, the way that he was grieving the second time was the way that I was grieving the first time. And I couldn't understand why he was grieving the way that he was the first time when I didn't feel that way. And then I think it was vice versa after it happened the second time. Um, And it was very eye opening and it was something that I didn't realize. So my first one happened, I got pregnant with Ella in 2012. So my first one happened in 2011 And then my second one happened when we were in 29 Palms, so I think 2014. Um, So I didn't realize for all those years that he had been carrying all of that with him. Um, And like I said, it wasn't until after the second one that it all kind of came out. And we talked about it and realized, like, we were on such opposite ends of the spectrum both times. Yeah. Well, like, you... Um, it's so different, right? So, like, I can only imagine from his standpoint, like, the first time is scary because you think, I think, like, especially with pregnancy, like, um, doctors have this way or, like, society has this way of convincing you that, like, you get pregnant and then you just have your typical pregnancy where you go in to see the doctor and everything's fine and they do these scans and then they tell you the gender of your baby, um, if you, if you want it or whatever, And then 
um, you know, you have a baby shower and then you have a baby and then you're exhausted. Right. So like, right. <laughs> yes. So, that's exactly like, that's, how it seems. You, right. So like society tells you like, this is like the normal thing. This is what's going to happen. But no one's really telling anybody that, you know, one in four, um, women lose a, a pregnancy, an infant or a child. What one in four. And that's, I mean, doesn't sound like a lot, but you know, next time you're standing in the grocery store, look around. And if there's four women standing next to each other, chances are at least one of those women has either miscarried a a pregnancy, lost a baby or, or an infant. Um, and when you think of it in those terms, it's, it's pretty significant, but we don't talk about that. So I can only imagine like from a man's perspective, like, Oh, um, we're just supposed to go through this process and then there's a baby at the end and that's how it ends up. And you're thinking like, okay, you know, my body hasn't really changed all that much. Like you're not super pregnant where there's a whole lot of noticeable changes. There's changes happening, just not ones that that you can physically see. Right. Um, and so for you probably in that moment, it was like, okay, well, I'm just going to go back to day to day things because now there isn't going to be a baby and it just is what it is. And he's looking at you going, this is my wife. Something is wrong. The baby we're supposed to be having is now not going to be here. My wife has suddenly has to have a surgery like that in itself is a very scary thing. And then fast forward to the second time that it happened, he goes, well, this is pretty normal. This has happened before. Like, I don't understand why it's such a big deal to you. And now you're going, okay, but this is like almost finite. Like this is something telling me we shouldn't do this anymore. And he's going, well, after it happened last time, you had a surgery, everything was fine. I'm a little more comfortable with the process and you had a baby afterwards. So like, you know, Ella's here and she's proof of that. So what is the big deal this time? And you're like on the total opposite end of that going, (laughs) uh, no, like, this is now very scary because I've been through this and now it's like freaking me out that it keeps happening. Yes. Right. Yeah. I mean, we were like, I don't know. I kind of went back and forth with how I was feeling like my first miscarriage. I think I found out I was pregnant by accident, honestly. Um, and then, and then, uh, miscarried shortly after, like maybe a week or two later. Um, Yeah, I think it was by, you know, and that happens to a lot of people. A lot of people get pregnant and don't know they're pregnant and miscarry and actually have absolutely no idea that that, their body has even gone through that process. Um, But we were really young. It was like, to be honest, I think we had just, oh God, I don't even know, honestly, because, and that should probably tell you how traumatic it really was for me. I've kind of blocked it and I don't really know. I don't really yes. know, you know, and so I've blocked it. Um, and I don't think that he, that, that my husband really knows either, to be totally honest, the first time. I mean, I remember calling him after finding out I was pregnant and then I remember what that feeling was like. And I remember thinking like, oh, I'm pregnant. This is going to be so interesting. Like what a thing to be going through. Um, you know, I was excited, of course. That sounds like I'm not really excited about being pregnant, but I was. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, uh, but we were young, you know what I mean? So, like, it's a, it's a whole different meaning, whereas, like, right. when I got pregnant with Rosie or I got pregnant with Emma, I felt, you know, more excited. I was, you know, older. It was something that was really on the table. It was something that I really wanted. Like, life was moving in that direction, right? Absolutely. Um, and so... But when I was younger, that wasn't necessarily like I knew I wanted kids, but I was like, I don't want them at this moment. But now right. I'm pregnant at this moment. So like, cool. No, but also yeah. I'm like scared. Yes. Yeah. 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 
So, you know, that happened. And then I remember when I miscarried and I, I called him and I found out, of course, during the work day. Um, and he was like, okay. And I don't think either one of us really knew what to do. And I, right. I remember going back to my office and I told the chief warrant officer and the mass sergeant that I worked with at the time, they could see that something was wrong. And they like pulled me into this little corner office that we had. And they were like, what's going on? And I was like, well, I was pregnant, but now I'm not. And I remember like in that moment being very upset about it. And they were like, do you want to go home? And I was like, I don't think so. And they were like, yeah, okay, well, we're going to send you home. And I'm like, okay, I didn't really know what to do. But of course, these are two older gentlemen who have children who've lived through probably some of these things, even though they didn't talk to me about that. Right. And they were like, no, we're, we're going to send you home at least for this afternoon. And I was like, okay. Cause I was like visibly upset. Like I was crying. Obviously it was upset, you know? Right. And so it was the smartest decision. But when I told my husband, I think like then it was like, because it didn't really alter a lot of our life yet. Right. Right. You know? And so, yeah, we're just on two totally different spectrums, but I find us on different spectrums with loss of any kind. And I, as you were doing the intro, I was trying not to um, laugh after our blunder, which I think everybody will get at the end of this episode. Um, So I was like, I I looked at my phone for a second to kind of distract myself so I wouldn't be focused on what you were saying and start laughing. (laughs) Um, And it just like reminded me, right, of just Memorial Day and um, like we've been through a lot of loss together, not just of like pregnancies and, and our own children. Like I talked about in my episode a couple weeks ago, but also in like friends and fellow service members and, uh, family members that are, uh, ridiculously important in our lives. Um, and the way that we grieve all of those losses is significantly different. Um, and some of I under I can understand. It's just not the way I do it. And so it took me a long time to be like, I'm not trying to judge you. I just don't understand how you grieve or how you feel a certain way. Um, because I don't feel that way or I don't grieve that way. And so yes. it was a, right. It, it's like weird to kind of deal with like when my mom passed away. And we, and we vocalize how we feel and how we grieve differently. So when my mom passed away, uh, I was very upset, obviously, um, and sad and frustrated and mad and all of those things you could possibly feel about losing someone who is quite literally your best friend um, and your mom and the person you could call all the time for like anything. So I was going through all of that. But I was also, you know, had Rosie. She was nine months old. I was still breastfeeding her. And so she needed me all of the time, right? So I couldn't totally just disengage with everybody. And um, I literally, like, couldn't say the words. So it was, like, really rough for me. And I think I was so focused on how I was feeling that, like, a lot of time I wasn't paying attention to how he was feeling. And I'm going to be totally honest. Like, at that time, I didn't really care, right? Like, that was my Mm -hmm. mom. And I was so... I just didn't care. Not not to be mean or like say I don't care about how my husband feels, but like if you've ever been through a significant loss like that, you tend to not really care how other people are feeling because you're trying to feel your own thing. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. And so, yeah, part of that for us was like, 
there was pro it was probably a few months later and um and there was a song that came on the radio and my mom uh passed away eight years ago and i have just now recently started listening to country music again and i could not literally for the last eight years listen to country music um because that's all she had listened to but uh mm -hmm. After she passed away, there was this country song that came on, and my husband was like, this song always reminds me of your mom. And I was like, what? And it was like a total random time. We were like driving down the highway, going somewhere, and he's like, this song always reminds me of your mom. And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, I didn't even know you associated things like that with right. my mom, because we just didn't talk about that kind of stuff. Absolutely. I mean, it's the same thing for Dustin and I, you know, his dad passed away a year ago. Um, and I completely understand where you were coming from about not caring about other people's feelings. Um, because in a sense, I felt like, you know, he wasn't my dad. And there are certain times that I feel like I don't have the right, I guess, to feel the way I feel because he wasn't my dad and like we weren't super close. Um, but there was a period of time where Ella and I were living back home and he, he would watch Ella every Wednesday evening and Saturday morning as I taught a group fitness class. And for me, you know, it was more so the fact that she had those memories with him. And obviously I'm sad that I lost my father-in-law. I'm extremely sad that my husband lost his father, but I'm also sad that Ella lost her grandpa and yeah. she doesn't get to have those memories anymore. Yeah. Um, but I know, you know, being there firsthand whenever all of it happened or right after it all happened. Cause I was actually, when his dad passed away, I was actually here in South Carolina with Ella and he was actually home for his aunt's funeral. Um, uh, which is just like, I can't even imagine that, but you know, I know watching him go through that you as an outsider, I guess I would call myself, you see a lot of kind of what they're going through and like you said you really don't care about what other people think or feel because you're so in your own emotions that you don't have the capacity to think about yeah. any of that you yeah. just don't and I think that like an important part for me just for people to understand is like that's totally okay and also like don't judge someone based off of their reaction yes. to something because it could be death or it could be something equally traumatic. Um, you know, someone could be going through cancer treatments or, yeah. um, you know, maybe who knows, who knows what it is, right? Something traumatic could happen to them. Um, I had a Marine who had some PTSD because, you know, a bunch of his family was in a car accident and I think his brother died, you know, and, and so that alone was traumatic, right? And so it doesn't have to be associated with specifically death, but there could be many other events that are traumatic, right? A near-death experience can be extremely traumatic. And I just, I don't like when people um, judge other people based off of how they're grieving or what they do or don't do, right? Because yeah. it's not going to be the same. And I think really that's kind of our point is Absolutely. like, it's not, we're all going to be different. You know, how Jenna grieves a miscarriage is going to be different than how I grieve a miscarriage. Um, 
And the same thing, like how I grieve the death of my father will be different than how Dustin grieves the death of his father, you know? And so it's just always going to be different for each person. There may be similarities. And lucky you, if you end up grieving the exact same way and the person that you are married to or in a relationship with knows how to deal with that with you. But that's a hard thing to learn. <laughs> yes. About somebody. That, that's exactly what I was going to say. You really have hit the jackpot if that is how it works out for you. Because, you know, having been through it and knowing that we just grieve so differently. And it's taken us... 10 years, 11 years. I don't even know how long we've been married anymore, but it's it's taken us a long time to figure that out. Yeah. Yeah. It's really hard. And, you know, like I said, any type of grieving, right? Like, or loss or traumatic experience, like anything everybody does differently. Like I, I think some people think it's weird that we make a birthday cake every Christmas for our her twins. I don't give crap. <laughs> people right. like people have said like, hmm, you know, and they may not say it directly to me that what I do is weird, but that but I have heard people say like, don't you think it's weird that they like celebrate that day? And I'm like, I, no, I don't actually. No, no, I you really know, don't. I don't. No, I really don't. I don't. And and you shouldn't either until you've been in that situation because I'm not saying that you'll do the same thing, but you'll at least understand why people would be doing that. Absolutely. You know? A hundred percent. And you made a great point about not judging people. You know, I have been pretty fortunate not having to go through a lot of traumatic experiences in my life. But right now I am dealing with all kinds of health stuff. I've talked about my PMDD. I just found out recently that my cortisol level is low, which means something is going on with my adrenal glands. I called an endocrinologist to get into them and they can't see me till September. Um, Oh, yay. Yeah, right? Yeah, And that's not even Naval Hospital. So, <laughs> um, but even with all of this stuff going on, just with my health, it is so overwhelming to have to see doctor after doctor after doctor after doctor. And, you know, there are times that I literally recluse. I'm like, yeah. I go to work, I put on this happy face at work, and then I come home and I don't talk to anybody. I don't... Um, you know, I interact with my family as much as I can, but there are times that I literally am like, I just need to be alone. Yeah. And it has nothing to do with anybody else. It's just how I'm processing everything. Um, Cause I get to the point where I feel like my body is literally, if I don't take that time, my body is going to shut down on me. I mean, I told Candace, um, I just recently deleted all of social media off of my phone, except for this podcast's Instagram page. Um, and that is so I can post to that, which also posts to Facebook. Um, but <laughs> I did that because social media for me was getting too overwhelming. Yeah. And I have to say, it's been so nice not seeing what's been going on in the world and comparing myself to everybody else. Like, Oh, well this person has four kids and they're going back to school full time and they work full time. Like, why can't I do that? That's just not where I'm at. Well, you can, right but like, at the sanity of yourself, you know, like you right. could do all of those things, but what is that worth to you? You know what I mean? Like I'm in, I have done back to back classes since the beginning of the year and it's only been five months and I'm halfway through this class right now. And I'm, oh, I'm so over it right now. Like finding the motivation, <laughs> I'm telling you to finding the yeah. motivation to like do the schoolwork right now is just non-existent. And I'm like literally forcing myself to, because I know the end goal 
right. of where I want to be is going to be worth it. But right now I'm like just overwhelmed with stuff. And, um, you know, like one of the only things that saved me is the fact that we recorded back to back, um, yes. you know, a few weeks ago. <laughs> so that has really like saved me and given me just a breather of, you know, something in, um, you know, so it's just, it's not easy. It's not easy guys. It's not easy to deal with just life in general. And it's definitely not easy to deal with something when it's very traumatic and emotional and everyone is different. The way we deal with things is different. The things we do are different, right? So like the judgment and the comparison, like really you don't need that in your life. And so like, don't feed it to yourself. And also like your partner doesn't need that in their life. So try not to do that to them. And when they do it to you, like, I'm just going to be quite frank with you, call them on their shit and tell them like, Hey, you know, like you need to, you need to calm down. Cause I'm not you and just be very clear about it. I'm not you. And that's not the way I deal with this situation. And you don't have to deal with it the way I do, but you need to understand that we're not the same person and we deal with it differently. And it is what it is. But right now that's not productive for me. Um, and that's a, it's I think a, that's a huge word that you used right there. It's not productive for me. Right. It's not productive. If it's not helping you heal and it's not helping you move forward or it's not helping you grieve because you can stay in that zone for a little while. Mm-hmm. Some people need that. I needed that for quite a few things. Um, you know, if it's not productive for you, you just say that it's, this is not productive for me. This is not helping me. Um, there's a better way. We have to find a better way. Yeah, and if you're the person that is, you know, with somebody that, and I know I've said this before, but I'm going to say it again because I think it's so important. Um, If you are the person that is a spouse or a significant other or whatever to somebody who is grieving, no matter what it is, don't force them to talk about it. Don't force them to open up about it, you know, acknowledge the fact that they're hurting and that they're going through something and that you, you know maybe don't understand that, but you empathize with them and, Mm -hmm. you know, let them know that you're there for them whenever they want to talk, if they ever want to talk. Um, and then let it be because the last thing, you know, I am guilty. I want to fix things. I'm a fixer. I don't (laughs) like things not to be fixed. And especially when it's my husband, and to see yeah. him going through the hurt and the pain and everything that he went through with his the passing of his dad, I couldn't fix that. And it killed right. me. And so I just sat there and I picked and I picked and I picked and I picked and I asked and, you know, do you want to talk about it? Let's talk about it. How can I help? And, you know, he, fi- he finally got to the point, and I'm glad that he did, where he was like, listen, enough is enough. Like, I will talk to you whenever I'm ready. And you can't fix it. No. The, the only thing that will fix that is for him to not have passed away. Yeah. And you can't fix that. And like a lot of people um, asked me that like after we lost the twins, like what can I do to help? Like what can I do to make it better? No, you literally like, I'm sorry, but you can't do anything. There's no one in this world that can do anything for me to fix that. You just nope. can't. Unless you have some superpower to bring them back to give me the last 11 years of the life I've missed with them and the last eight years with my mom, so my kids have their grandmother, You unfortunately, you just can't fix that. And I don't have an expectation. Like, people aren't expecting you to be able to fix it either. Because we, when you're going through that, you realize, like, nobody can fix it for you. It's just a piece that you will always live with. So it's, like, always there. 
um, and trying to fix it just doesn't help sometimes. Yeah. And just knowing that people are there, you know, because there, for me, there were times that, you know, my best friends, I, first of all, I worked with them, but then I lived right down the street from them as well. And there were times that I would just go over to their house and just sit on the couch. We would eat brownie batter together and watch TV. (laughs) I didn't need to talk. I didn't need, you know, for them to entertain me. I didn't need any of that. I literally just needed to be in the presence of someone else. Yeah. And knowing that I had that was probably the best thing that I could have gotten. Yeah. What I always tell people too, like, um, when we lost the twins, um, I knew another couple shortly after that lost a set of twins. And then I knew another Marine, um, in her, one of her children passed away, unfortunately at like three years old or something like that. Um, and so one of her friends who was one of my Marines also was like, what do I do? And I said, just to be there. I'm like, you're not gonna be able to say anything that, that brings her back. You're not gonna be able to fix anything. Um, I said, but also, like, don't pretend that she never existed. Right. You know, because when everybody stops talking about them and everybody feels like they forget about whatever that incident was or, um, you know, whatever that experience is, it makes it feel like you're the only one that remembers and you're alone. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yep, like, absolutely. It's so important to me to talk about my mom and what's been fantastic and has really helped me is um my brother recently got married about a year ago during like right before everything shut down for COVID. Um and what's been really fantastic is that his wife never met my mom. They would have had to have met eight years ago for that to have happened and that was not the case. Um but my sister-in-law is fantastic and she um you know for mother's day made me this little like shadow box frame she like she's very crafty (laughs) (laughs) and um it's so pretty and it has a picture of me and my mom in it and she's never she never met my mom and she made my mom had this thing about lighthouses and she made my brother this really pretty um shadow box with roses and like the silhouette of a lighthouse and stuff like that in it and there were some words on, it. I can't remember what it was, but it was really pretty. And so for me, like that's really healing to see someone who, especially for my brother, because I'll tell you the way my brother dealt with my mom passing is totally different than the way I dealt with my mom passing. He like became a recluse, didn't talk to anybody, literally went to work, came home, slept in his room, went to work, came home, slept in his room. Yeah. Um, sometimes went hiking with his friends but that was pretty rare and only in the last couple of years um so you know the way he dealt with my mom's passing is different than the way I dealt with it like when we went to the final viewing um my brother was able to touch my mom and he like put his hand on her hand and I could not get that close to her yeah so our like way of grieving and dealing with that situation was like astronomically different um from one another and you know we're siblings we grew up together that's our mom you know so even in that you know our grieving and our process to go through that was different but it it makes me feel better to see someone who has come into our lives that never knew her never met her and feels her there and feels like it's important to acknowledge her because 
she was so important to my brother and um, me and our family. And I think she picks up on that. Um, And it's so important to acknowledge that, right? Like when every Christmas, like everybody tells us happy birthday and, um, you know, we'll comment on the picture I put every year of the girl's cake. And, Mm -hmm. you know, some years in October, some years my aunt will light a candle on um, pregnancy and infant loss day. And so it's just those things that keep me kind of just remembering that there are these people around that support me, that think about me, that think about this thing, and they're willing to acknowledge that and support me through that because it continues forever. The loss of someone, a parent, whoever continues forever. And it's the same, you know, if you have a spouse who's active duty and they have gone through the loss of someone they deployed with, they will carry that with them forever. And it's important to acknowledge that um, and to find the importance in things like the national anthem and days like Memorial Day and the 4th of July and all of these days and the anniversary of those people's deaths and events that you've done with those people or they may have done with those people because those times are the most difficult. And if you look and you pay attention enough, you will see that there is something a little off on those days and that's totally fine. Um, but just acknowledge it, you know, don't like, yeah, don't tiptoe around it. it. Yeah. Yeah. No. And don't do that either. Definitely don't yeah. tiptoe around it because it's there, whether you say something or not, it is yep. there. So like, just, and maybe you in that. Exactly. And I was going to say, maybe even you acknowledging that is exactly what they need that specific day. Yeah. And that grief will never be the same for you. Like you feel bad for your spouse. Like you were saying, you feel bad for Dustin because his dad passed and you don't like how he was feeling. It's the same thing when you have a spouse who's been deployed with someone or lost someone else that was in uniform they were close to. You may not have had a relationship with that individual, but you can feel the um, emotion and everything like coming from your spouse, right? So it's important yeah. to just... You're not going to fix it. You can't bring that person back. You can't change the situation, but you can acknowledge it. You can talk about it and you can give them breathing room if that's just what you feel like they need. Maybe they just need a moment by themselves to just have a memory and then breathe and move on, you know? Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I definitely think this has been a fantastic episode. Um, I hope that, you know, we shared a wealth of information for those of you that ever have to go through something like this. And if you're a living human being, I'm assuming that at some point you (laughs) unfortunately will have to go through this. So uh, we want to end this episode on a (laughs) little bit of a lighter note. Um, So please enjoy these bloopers. (laughs) Oh, <laughs> it's okay. All right. Uh, we'll just have to edit that part out. Cause it kept saying, it like gives me a countdown and then it was like zero, zero, zero. And I was like, uh, okay. So we'll just actually, edit this out. should we just leave that in there? <laughs> <laughs> we could, we could. Oh, all right. Anyway, <laughs> right. Oh my God. And then you have my husband totally fucking, fucking shit up, man. Hey, you can't cuss. Yeah, I can. I can do what I want.
Can I help you? I'm going to offer this guy some money for this truck. Okay. Okay, bye. Bye. Oh my, I'm totally <laughs> leaving all of this in here. I'm going to put it, I'm going to see if Josh we'll is at the end. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. Welcome to our lives, everybody. Right? And here's yeah. a glimpse into our lives. Yeah, if I get that truck, I'll have to buy some more new dumbbells. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> I can't with him. Okay, for real. Here we go.